This week's episode of Talking Simpsons is brought to you by you. That's right, we're on Patreon now, so head on over to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. For as little as $5 a month, you can help our show and get all kinds of great extra content on top of that. We've got a ton of great bonus content waiting for you right now, so head on over to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons today. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons and believe me this is not a dream <laughs> I'm your host Bob Mackey one of the Blue Nose City Fathers and this is the Laser Time Podcast Network's chronological exploration of the Simpsons who else is here with me today uh, Henry Gilbert and I just like to smell my lunch <laughs> and who else uh, Chris Antista's name is also Mittens Ooh. and uh, today's episode is Lisa's rival my cat's breath smells like cat food that means he's healthy <laughs> and today's episode aired on September 11th, 1994, what? a day that will live in infamy. Former President Dan, Vice President Dan Quayle gearing up for a likely presidential run calls for an end to government subsidies of out-of-wedlock births ever oh, in touch. Finally. MTV uh, tries to raise money for its real-world cast member Pedro Zamora, who has no medical coverage and is suffering from HIV. Andre Agassi wins the men's singles in the U.S. Open, and screen actress Jessica Tandy is dead. I'm sorry, oh. that was so depressing. Man, <laughs> I thought Dan Quayle embarrassed himself enough with the whole Murphy Brown debacle. A- attacking a fictional character on a TV show. He uh, wasn't would, done with Unwed yeah. Mother. Yet. Oh, so, America's, births. America's biggest problem, unwed mothers. I know. I mean, he. I, I feel like that was a Hail Mary pass because he was so... He was such a joke even to Republicans that, like, Brit yeah. Hume made fun of him, which is just like, well, then you're done. If, if a hack like Brit Hume I mean, there is, is making fun of you. There are such easier targets, like gay people, minorities. <laughs> Come on, Dan Quayle, step up your game it's, a bit. Yeah. It's That's like someone saying. elected that high in office. If you told me he was dead, I would believe you because <laughs> no one has shown any interest in interviewing no, him. He no. has not come out of hiding. He's a living Mad Magazine from 1989 <laughs> joke, and uh, he'll stay that way until he dies. Uh, Eleanor Sherman defended him very strongly, right. though, in, uh, in The Critic. Listen mm. to Talking Critic, folks. I love that. Uh, uh, I love that rant. Sadly, things didn't go so well for Pedro. Uh, uh, I mean, in 94, there wasn't really... There weren't the meds they have now for, for yeah. HIV and AIDS. Thanks, Reagan, so. for... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Dragging your feet on that. I, I always, yeah. when I first got to San Francisco, I would walk around with people and like, oh, there's where Tom lives. Like, mm-hmm. why doesn't he come out? Tom's sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like that, I think that stigma is gone. There's like, there's a little bit. As yeah, long as you have is. the health insurance and yeah, uh, don't yeah. have to re- rely on Max Crowley. But how many the- times did Puck ask you for money? <laughs> I've never seen any of those people. And I just saw Pedro Zamora Boulevard. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a very small street. It was, uh, yeah, it was my introduction to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I think that, well, th- that and the Venom comic, Lethal Protector, ah, where Venom moved to San Francisco. That or Sneakers. <laughs> a classic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this episode, I have to point out, if you're wondering why season five didn't have any Lisa episodes, this is a season five episode it's another mm-hmm. victim of the north ridge earthquake and it well, was actually the biggest victim of it yeah it was moved back the most uh it was the 17th in production so if you want to think about where that would fall in season five that'd be right before sweet seymour skinner's badass song so this was shoved all the way into season six the second episode of season six so this is the season five lisa episode mm-hmm. pretty much and it's quite a good lisa episode i like it's it's the it's the most like weakness lisa has shown and it yeah. kind of gives more interest to her character beyond 
around being like either a goody goody or a scold. I mean, there was Lisa versus Malibu Stacy was a Lisa mm-hmm. episode. I will point that. Yeah. Out. Oh, yeah. You're right. Actually, sorry. But. Uh, but this was a second one. They usually have more than one. And yeah. I guess I was asking myself why was there such a shortage of Lisa episodes mm-hmm. in season five? And now there was no Bob episode. That's Side true. Trip, technically, I mean, Cape Fear was the holdover. Blah 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 blah. Production five. What's also interesting about this episode? It is the first episode written by Mike Scully, and so oh, this right. is when Mike Scully enters our narrative Let's of welcome Simpsons him. history. So it is also might be my favorite B plot of all time. <laughs> oh yeah. I, and I oh mean that, yes. I mean that both ways. For sh- I'm not kidding. I love this side story. I think it, it overshadows great. the A plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so quick bio on Mike Scully. Before The Simpsons, he had been a uh, comedy writer of, uh, honestly, The Simpsons was easily the biggest job he had gotten to that point. He had worked on a show. He'd worked on some rather unpopular shows. whose longest employment was on the kids show Out of This World, which was oh, like, really? not oh. good. No, that, no, no. That show sucked. It I wouldn't was, even watch that as a kid. It, it was the worst version of Small Wonder. Like, you're like, well, Small Wonder is bad, right? Yeah. And like, no, Out of This yeah. These are bad syndicated sitcoms. Yes. Sitcoms with no network looking for a home. I, I, so cheap, too. I just, I just remember the last episode out of this world where she tells them she's an alien and they all accept her and stuff. The Simpsons was his big hire, and he was uh, one of the only writers on the staff with actual grown-ass kids, yeah. which I think really showed in his writing, for better and worse, that he was a parent who really put his the experiences of a parent into stories Including this one, like yeah. this, this gives you more of an angle on Bart and Lisa as students, as siblings, than you'd get in other episodes. I think written by people who are childless, like yes. Dave Merkin or and the Oakley um, Weinstein at the time. He has five daughters, which is a different perspective. It's just mm-hmm. he, he's only raised girls, so. He has a lot to say about Lisa, and I want to say that um, I will be a Mike Scully apologist. I feel like Mm. we've come to forgive him over time, but he was basically the scapegoat for all these Simpsons problems. But if you look deeper (laughs) into what happened, it's not just him. It's a lot of other issues that were happening around the time he ran his season. But I will say people retroactively look at this episode and say, oh, well, this episode has the sugar plot. And that just Mm. points to why Mike Scully, you know, ran the show off the rails into into Zanytown. But actually, that sugar (laughs) plot is was uh, written by George Meyer. That's Mm. his contribution, which is is a bigger tell of what happened in the Scully seasons because Scully was the guy in charge, but he also... This is how I reflect on the seasons 9 through 12, which were the Mike Scully-run seasons. He was the first showrunner to ever do more than two seasons as showrunner. And he was the enemy of No Homers Club, and yeah, for I, sure. I didn't like him either. But... I've written plenty uh, angry posts about him in my in my youth. But, but I, <laughs> I'll but probably I, find it doing research. <laughs> I, Please don't. I, I think that Scully. I walk back my blaming of Scully because I think it was. He wasn't the obsessive that Oakley and Weinstein before him were, and he mm-hmm. wasn't also the controlling hand that Merkin was. He really, when you hear on the commentaries, he was the showrunner. But George Meyer and Ian Maxstone Graham both also had big hands in his seasons. And if I would call anybody guilty of the worsening of the Simpsons, <laughs> it is Ian Maxstone Graham. You're right, you're right. And to an extent, I hate to blame George Meyer because I, I both love and I love George Meyer, but I think he also took him into Zanytown. But yeah, I'm sure George Meyer pitched jokes in the Gene and Reese seasons and in the mm-hmm. Oakley and Weinstein seasons where they would say, that's funny, but no, we can't yeah. put that in. But Mike <laughs> made Scully us be laugh, like, but we're not going to do it. But Mike Scully would, and I think that's <laughs> the difference. He was less... Uh, uh, of a gatekeeper he was l- yeah. uh, less good of a gatekeeper yeah, the, for... the longer you work on a show like that the more you want to get stupid and yeah you, you care you care a little less and you're will- but you're also willing to take more chances and you do get stuff that fans find controversial like they the the archetypal scully meyer cooperation story to me mm-hmm. is uh they cut my sandwich i they forgot to joke. cut my sandwich and his arm oh! is chopped off. 
Oh, that is that is great, but it also is extra cruel, universe breaking. And then yeah. they're like, and his arms reattached. Like, Doesn't what? Show up at the end with a bandage around yes. his arm. Yeah, I love that fucking. Joke. But but yeah, I would say Ian Maxtone Graham, the writer of the uh, Alone Again Natural Diddly, the murderer <laughs> of Maud. Uh-huh. I would blame him more than any person for the worst right. of it because he also like he purposefully doesn't give a shit. Like, he actually antagonizes the fans of, like, yeah. oh, did I forget that? Fuck you. Like, was basically his saying. I think when they interviewed him when he first started working on the show, he's like, well, I never watched this show before mm-hmm. I started writing. And that's why all wow. the fans would raise their fists in anger on all TV Simpsons and yeah. scream his name. Which he probably enjoyed, I, yeah. I get the feeling. I don't know. I would love to talk to you, Max Stone Graham, so nobody tell him I called him the, <laughs> the, the ruiner of the show. <laughs> this will be but, Patreon only. But this episode, so written by Mike Scully, mm-hmm. the idea of Lisa getting a rival was the last gift Conan O'Brien gave to the show. Uh, his final and, pitch. Yeah. That sounds very Conan, because mm-hmm. I have to imagine Conan was a prodigy E. Yes. And oh, had yes. a rival like this. Yeah, on his WTF, he talks about going to Harvard and being like, we're used to him just being this goofball on TV, but he was like a uh, mega t- honor student. Yeah, excels in everything. <laughs> yes, yeah. And uh, yeah, and then the B plot was by George Meyer, as you said. And I wonder if Conan would have written this. Were were David Letterman not to move to CBS, mm-hmm. would Conan have written this episode? Maybe, yeah. And uh, also a thing I really noticed from watching this the first time is that structurally this is very similar to Lard of the Dance, which was oh. the season ten opener. Guest character Lisa Kudrow. Mm-hmm. She is a new rival for Lisa in a different way. She isn't better at Lisa than everything. She's more popular. And and more mature than Lisa. Then, meanwhile, at the same time, instead of Homer and Bart discovering sugar, they discover Greece oh and God, start collecting right. Greece. Wow. So the A plot and the B plot are both very similar in, <laughs> in storytelling. So this, uh, and that was Mike Scully season ten opener. He didn't write it, but obviously. He, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they at least said, like, let's just take the structure of Lisa's rival and, like, switch out some stuff. And, yeah, I and think Lord of the Dance is a good episode. Yeah, I, I like I it like as a good one. later episode, meaning it aired 20 years ago. Yeah, by <laughs> being only 15, 17 years ago, yes. it's it's a good new episode. That's all the, the preamble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lisa is practicing her saxophone. She's it's, looking for a place to practice her saxophone yes. and getting shut down by every family member. And it's, it's a nice, good early setup that Lisa plays the saxophone and is very interested in that. And uh, I also love hearing Skinner say spoilage it's, over the phone. You spared me quite a bit of spoilage. That's a very it, Oakley of Weinstein. It really is. <laughs> and I, I feel like they, ha- they have a prank call in here, but it's Skinner. Bart can't call Mo again because it's over. of the Jimbo Jones incident. Mm. So Ever since Jimbo Jones, it's I'm shocked they kept with that and and then it felt like a very well-observed sibling thing of oh okay i'll just bother you from my room and so, yes i mean bart and lisa are, we're separated by this my sister and i are separated by the same age gap as bart mm-hmm. and lisa that's so fucking accurate same here but I, I was the younger kid and it's like i can get you on a technicality yeah but it was it was more about like my sister doing something in total earnest and <laughs> me bothering her because i have nothing better to do and that's exactly <laughs> what our relationship was like i felt very bad for lisa watching this judging by my behavior and also how do you learn how to play a musical instrument because it does annoy everybody it really does yeah no i was guilty of this uh on the other end where like when my mom my mom loves community band she Mm -hmm. she was a band geek in high school she would call herself a band geek i'm not making fun of my mom and 20 30 years ago when we moved to florida she then got into community band which is basically Mm. just getting to continue your fun in high school band as an adult and she's been in community bands over 20 years now and she loves it and and so 
Well, she kind of goes between. She does uh, bassoon. She does trombone. She's done the baritone. I trumpet. got a woodwind for right <laughs> Sorry, sorry. All right. But anyway, <laughs> but I was that kid. I was a kid saying like, mom, mm-hmm. stop playing your thing. But you have to practice. Yeah. More, like, but I, until I got an electric guitar, I like I, it was embarrassing to play <laughs> anything yeah, and, poor, because you, I always play poorly at first. Yeah, yeah, and, of course, for, for months or years. Yeah. And people have to hear you do it. It, yeah. it is why like I was in band for two years and after that I was like I can't take this anymore like I can't be this bad for this long of this thing and also for me band was not the friendship I thought it would be it was it was getting abandoned at Universal Studios by my entire team <laughs> and who were just like we don't want you around band geeks are harsh they are man they are uh, Bart- play with Beetlejuice <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bart's reading Bad Boy's Life which is a parody oh, of Boy's Life the as the only Boy Scout in the room I'm guessing yeah if I remember it though I read a ton of Boy's Life what a terrible magazine mm. filled with scams <laughs> I, I sent away you for sell grits <laughs> I sent away for two lizards oh um, and I got I, it was crazy I got a check back and like no longer in business. That's what what kind of Whoa. lead time print had. Wow, like business can only exist for six weeks. Then we got to beat beat yeah, the, beat. The back of Boys Life was all about like just make a hovercraft, buy some lizards, and like mm-hmm. I think they would buy like two years worth of advertising. <laughs> and like I, the, everything mm-hmm. I sent away for the check got sent back with like hey, there's no one at this address. Uh, this was before you could check your status of yeah. a shipment on the internet, kids. Yep. Uh, the magazine has been around since 1911 and still exists. Mm. But I mean, it's kind of like Game Informer. Honestly, it has, it has a captive a, audience. A new it's readership of pedophiles. Whoa! <laughs> uh, the Boy Scout sucks. By I, the way, I, I, not I, I read can prove it from that angle. Yeah, I can prove it. If you're an adult man, don't read Boy's Life. Yes. <laughs> and then we get some very jerk ass Homer early of breaking the camera, but I did like it. <laughs> the, just... the way he's breaking it by hammering a powered turned off power drill mm. into the camera. Yeah, but it was it was a setup, man. That's yeah. a very yeah, but that's a very season nine Homer there. Like a season seven Homer would not be that dumb. Yeah. Then we see why Homer is breaking that camera, and we get some uh, some fun gay jokes. Here in we here go. As well. My, these seas are certainly heaving. Well, no more than your bountiful bosom, <laughs> milady. <laughs> Does that earring mean you're a pirate? Kinda. Ah, the seas have quieted. And only in this sweet embrace of quietude can two lovers truly be as... Ooh, such noise. Ooh. Well, I'm done for the evening. (laughs) Lisa, stop blowing my sacks. I mean, stop blowing your sacks. Your sacks. Stop it. Mom, I'm auditioning for first chair in the school band and I've got to practice. I'm sorry, but I sacrificed a very expensive camera just to get some quiet time. God. Marge spent eight hundred dollars just to read a book alone. <laughs> yes, just to, well, it's like love the, in a time of scurvy. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, just like the Maggie's other cake thing. Like that, mm. Marge. Marge knows she can't actually tell Homer to stop. She's like, I just have to distract him with a different thing to destroy. And the the book she's reading is a uh, the title at least is a parody of Gabriel Garcia Marquez's Love in the Time of Cholera, which is not a uh, it is a not a dime ripper. store. Right. Yes, yeah. yeah, bodice, bodice ripper. There you go. Yeah. I've never said it. I've only yeah, read real it. bean flicker. And even <laughs> and even Maggie is putting past. Maggie does not want any part of this either. She's mm. putting pacifiers in her ears. <laughs> the book is totally a parody of the 
the dime store novels you'd see that always had Fabio on the cover that yeah. they were they were it got mocked because like obviously the sexuality of an older woman is gross and so <laughs> we should make fun of it but I mean it's what women it's, read it's not that it's just like it takes lady stroke fiction just takes so much time to mm-hmm. endure but we're missing mm-hmm. the big thing here there's a joke about the phrase butt pirate yeah which what? I have yeah. not heard since yes. night to, like I have not heard that not even in high school was butt pirate being passed yeah. around when That's, she says does that mean you're a pirate Kinda. Kinda. As in a butt pirate. That is. Oh, I thought it was a joke about the earring. No, it which is I a never joke read. about the earring. Yeah, until, until you mentioned it. Well, yeah, so that was, as a kid, I'd already been hearing on the playground, and maybe because I was noticing what people thought was gay and what wasn't <laughs> different to the way than you guys did. I believe you were pegged but, as a total gay wad, if I'm quoting uh, I read a, I, I read a funny tweet actually today <laughs> that said, the experience of LGBT culture is looking back on your childhood and realizing how super gay you were. <laughs> and that was, and that was, that that is kind of my memories of thinking like, oh yeah, I was, I was covering it right. And mm-hmm. then other, and then I remember like, oh no, everybody, like that one guy, Shove me in the ground and call me a fag. Yeah, no, like a, a real <laughs> moonlight situation. Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. But that only, bad. only from watching Moonlight because it seemed like everybody realized. Oh, uh, Chiron, I mean, little that, that, that he yeah. was gay before he was. Yeah, like yeah, the whole yeah. world seemed to be aware of it. But yeah. I wanted to ask about that earring thing. So I, I, I feel did look like this up. That's yeah, okay. That's please, insane. please tell us. Um, all right. So as I had heard on the playground back then, actually, I'd heard it through New Kids on the Block because one yes. of the New Kids yes. had an earring, um, and the saying was like, "Is that everybody?" We were so obsessed with like but is that the gay side is, the is gay that the gay side? side earring so the idea of like a man shouldn't have earrings that is what that is what society tells us and then in the 80s a man can have an earring but only on one ear or both ears yeah, one I mean, ear or both not ears the right ear i don't know and if- so the saying from my research in in, mul- in more cultures in america too the right ear pierced only mm-hmm. is seen as the gay ear if you have so the left antiquated. ear then you're not gay and that's that just really seems like a way to call somebody gay for having an earring. It yeah. apparently in some gay subcultures in the eighties. It was like scarlet lettering yourself. No, it was. It was more of a one of those tells of if you're a top or a bottom, which mm. is if you wow. right ear means you're the bottom, left ear means you're the top. That uh, this was. If it's you've only seen, gay if you take it. You have to pair that with all manner of handkerchiefs. And, well, uh, yeah. If you've seen the movie Cruising, they, signals. They explain oh, the, all the handkerchief like the stuff. The handkerchief. I've uh, never done. I've never done any. What an embarrassing but, uh, movie! I might well, do it today. Well, there's also the, still works. It was the same deal with the with baseball caps as well, which is of uh, pitcher and catcher. If you get my meaning, there. I was a catcher. I well, thought it was just cool. The, if you a uh, catcher wears his hat backwards, oh. so, it's, so yeah. See how gay you all were. Oh man, so what a breakthrough! <laughs> but so this was the Simpsons bringing in that joke here. Though when I looked at the guy. First, from the angle, he has the earring on his left ear. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But, and then he turns to Marge, and he has it on his right, which would then seem to show that he has two earrings, which would ruin that earring joke. But then, lastly, when he leaves, then he has no earring in his left ear. So yeah, it's only in the right one. I do believe they meant it to be a right ear earring situation of course. I mean, to say he was a joke. pirate. Yeah, I mean, I got my left ear pierced in high school. I don't think I don't think men do that anymore. Uh, I mean, I've seen you can it. Big ass gauges in both ears. I don't uh, know. I know gross. one. I know one really cool libertarian who has a left ear piercing. So, <laughs> but, I mean, uh, that shows how cool he is. But there was where there was like the uh, anxiety, like, what if they pierce the wrong ear? Oh god! Oh god! Oh yes. no! Like yeah. nothing says rebellious. <laughs> 
like an affectation. You can get at Claire's in the mall. Yes, it was an eight dollar uh, <laughs> hole puncher. Apparently, the idea of why pirates had earrings back then was because if their corpse was found, you could sell the earring to then bury them to mm. afford the funeral. That's, wow. that's that cool. was also what I read. But so that's the history of gay wow. earrings. Thank but you. And you're, you're overshadowing like the filthier Marge jokes snuck snuck in there her fantasizing mm. about sex but also the blowing thing i never mm. lisa quit blowing my sex lisa quit blowing sex sex just sex yes. yeah blowing my sex is like you're ruining my sexual fantasy but then you're it blowing it goes into like a blowjob like a vague blowjob reference i, I mm. guess because she walks in, i don't know like i, I well, never read it like that well marge i also read that scene is like marge is she is enjoying this fantasizing mm-hmm. But obviously, she's not going to masturbate on the couch <laughs> in front of Maggie, but she is going to store it for later. That's how women in, do it. In they the store it for months later. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I love the little, the shoe hanging off her foot affectation. Oh, yeah. It's really cute. Great bit it of was, animation. And yes, in case you don't know, Fabio, he still is a thing, but he was famous at the time of being on the most of those mm. covers ever. And by 1994, he was quite a pop culture yep. thing. Mm-hmm. He but was, um, only, like, he had put out an album, an album in 1994. Only to be overshadowed by the greatest thing he ever did, uh, mm. get hit in the face by a goose on a roller coaster. <laughs> that, that was the his, coolest uh, thing ever. His crowning uh, achievement. <laughs> Paul F. Tompkins has this amazing joke about he worked at Tower Records and Fabio came in and he said that he just like laughed at seeing him and then he realized like, how how much it must suck to uh, be t- Fabio to just walk into a place and everybody uh, just goes, ha ha, the very idea of you. <laughs> You're not real. Well, the next scene we uh, get right. after this is uh, the Judgment Day scene where Rod and Todd think the four horsemen are coming or that influences them to thinking that. Mm-hmm. What I don't get about the pacing of this episode, it's a great episode, but it's just like the first scenes, Lisa is finding a place to practice. Everyone else is hanging out at home. The next scene, she's in school. Yeah. Was that like the day before? I felt like it was oddly paced in that sense. I guess that was the weekend the and then she's at school on a yeah, Monday, like, I guess. Uh, well, I was paying too close attention. I was like, wait, why is she in school all of a sudden? Uh, but Ned thinking it was Judgment Day was kind of a sequel to the Four Elephants of the Apocalypse <laughs> joke. <laughs> oh, right. Ned in season five is very obsessed with revelations. But yeah, then we get to the school and Ralph is on fire in this episode. 45 seconds till pencils down. Lisa, what's the answer to number seven? Sorry, Ralph, that would defeat the purpose of testing as a means of student evaluation. My cat's name is Mittens. Yeah. <laughs> this is the birth of true Ralph. I mean, yes. he was creeping towards this personality uh, before with, you know, I saw Snagglepuss going to the bathroom outside, mm-hmm. things yeah. like that. But I feel like the more non-sequiturs he says, the more Ralph-like he is. Yeah. This is the best use of Ralph's specialness to yeah. this point. There is a read on this. You can see that these are cheap jokes about a mentally handicapped child, which though they, in later seasons, they... They straddle the line a bit better with Ralph of like, Ralph has problems, but he's not... He's not exactly developmentally disabled, but they can't. It's so he has a George a, Washington performance. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was well, a much different Ralph. Yeah, the, the Ralph. But what man can tame her? <laughs> the that's Ralph, another different Ralph. Yeah, the yeah, evolution he, of Ralph. But I, I, not to spoil the ending, but like we've this, had three it, Ralphs. This endeared Ralph to nerds in a way oh, that for no oh, yeah. other character uh, had ever re- <laughs> love no other character had ever received Hoover says 45 seconds but it's 22 seconds when she says <laughs> time is up uh, and then she offers up an extra credit question which I think it's kind of it's wrongly executed because one it's like oh only one student in the class can get the extra credit question right yeah and then she won't let Lisa do it which is like well then you're denying Lisa extra credit but uh, but there is somebody who has the answer oh Anyone besides Lisa for a change? Ralph, this better not be about your cat. 
Oh, oh, all right. Columbus was looking for a passage to India. Oh, correct, Allison. And on your very first day in our class. And during a subsequent voyage, Columbus found what is now the continent of South America. Yowie. I never made Miss Hoover yowie. <laughs> so that's Winona Ryder playing yes. Allison Taylor. Almost unrecognizable. Totally yeah. unrecognizable. Yeah. I forgot watching this episode. They she pitch was her in. voice up. I mean, is that what it, it, they do? Pitch her voice. Yeah, up? they She's do a bit. Okay. But, um, I, I think they do the same with Meryl Streep in the next or in this season as well. Actually, it's season sixteen. I do like Allison in this episode. I feel mm-hmm. like she's not given a lot to do. She just has to be a pleasant, a successful person because she is not the antagonist of this episode. She makes mm-hmm. Lisa's brain turn on itself. Mm-hmm. Basically. Yeah just by existing which is I really love that as a conflict like she yeah. is a pleasant person who just wants to be friends and wants to fit in and you know just do her thing but mm-hmm. Lisa's like no this is a threat to me and who I am my, yeah. my identity <laughs> this is how I yes. define myself is gonna have to be rewritten I, I was I could absolutely identify with that too as as a uh, advanced kid in school who I was a smart kid in class and but I also didn't work the hardest mm-hmm. but I was just used to being like yeah I'm the smartest kid in class but then when say the, the eventual valedictorian of the school would be in my class. I'd be like, oh, you're you're smarter than me, and you work harder. Yes. See, that's why I chose class clown. <laughs> and when, but that's why it sucks when someone comes in like, oh, that dude's funnier. Go than back. Me. And, and I think the teacher could, likes him. You can go back to the Bart the Genius episode to hear our stories about how we were all child geniuses who were destroyed by being praised too much. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I think those those advanced classes and those gifted gifted, gifted, gifted programs yeah. that I that we were in, I they. They meant well, but I think they weren't handled the I, I right way. I find it more they, astonishing remembering in elementary school that like certain kids who we were in class with together got shifted over to what was called SLD, slow learning development. Yeah. Basically, oh, like just yeah. branding them yeah. as, as the R word. For like, us, it was LD. Yeah. Now, I remember SLD yeah. in Florida. Yeah. Like, was, wow, and, and that it seems is cruel. A, it is a stigma. It's just and like, yeah. Well, it also seems cruel, and I hope never happened because I lost my first best friend to being skipped ahead of grade. We were both the mm. smart kids in class, and he moved ahead of grade, and it was like, we live in the same neighborhood. I never saw him again. His caste system became completely different. Uh, and my, my girlfriend has the story of being skipped ahead as well. And she's she was always, you know, she's small. Mm-hmm. But, like, she felt like she was in school with giants. Like, people who yeah. went through puberty years ahead of her and, like, mm-hmm. felt like she had no friends. I don't think you should ever skip a kid ahead. That's why I wasn't skipped ahead. I could have started school in third grade. I don't know how that would have worked out. A like a five year old in third wow. grade, I would have been beaten to death. Yeah, it's it's an unfortunate thing. I had uh, I feel like we've talked about this. I'm talking Simpsons before, yeah. but it was a while ago that I was I was the opposite of that. In that I did first grade i had done it in arkansas Mm -hmm. but when i moved to atlanta i would have been the youngest kid in my class based on their age system versus arkansas my my parents felt that i shouldn't be the youngest kid in class because they they were right they they i can see now that they were correct that i would be picked on i definitely would have been and i still would be but it really hurt me at the time to be in my mind held back to have to do a class twice but then uh, then again Probably if I had taken, by taking first grade a second time, that gave my mind more time to develop and be mm-hmm. ahead of and other, I, maybe I wouldn't have been in You also classes. need to be honest with yourself. You were a smart kid in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope we have no Arkansanians listening. How do you say that? Uh, Arkansans. Arkansans. There we go. Uh, uh, but yeah, so Lisa finds out that Allison is both smarter than her mm-hmm. and younger than her, which... 
that's a very women in competition thing you see in yeah. pop culture of like you're younger and prettier than me too uh, which is weird to put on an eight-year-old i have to <laughs> yeah, say it's, i mean that is a, an adult thing but I, it's funny how lisa talks to her just sort of to investigate like who is this person i do like oh yeah when lisa's shoved into the mud she says hi sarah mike scully said that was an intentional shout out to his daughter sarah and he's like and his daughter sarah is is the bully but his daughters are also allison and taylor so yes, he, has, he has five yeah. daughters I, and i think the other two were later characters in other yeah, episodes that is a thing that i came to like mike scully less for when i found that out just like this show isn't your fucking like my brother it, should work yeah, on the show like, oh, my brother should work on the show i should mention my kids all the time i it should be my family that's running from the uh, from the rhino in uh, uh oh. screaming yellow honkers oh you're right yeah he he put himself in it so much i mean i probably would i probably would too <laughs> but but yes lisa lisa finds out some more harsh truths from allison yeah i never met anyone who skipped the grade before i'm surprised you haven't been skipped you're obviously smart enough well i'm sure i could have but i'd hate to leave behind and all my wonderful friends. Out of the way, brain queen! <laughs> hey, Sarah! Well, I gotta go. I have to practice for band auditions. Me too. Hey, what instrument do you play? The sax. <laughs> Me too. I'm going for first chair this year. Me too. Wow, with so much in common, I'm sure we'll be the best of friends. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I love how weird she is. <laughs> That's uh, her, the way uh, her eyelids drop at the end of the Yeah, day. it's great. This is some of Yardley's best acting yeah. ever. It really I'd does. Yeah. And she is hyperventilating into her lunch bag. And uh, <laughs> that's something you would see on sitcoms all the time, someone breathing into a paper bag. But you shouldn't do that if you're hyperventilating because apparently hyperventilation can be uh, conflated with things like heart attacks and asthma attacks. And if you breathe into a bag, you can exacerbate that condition. Why was that even you're trying to a recy- solution? You're trying to recirculate carbon dioxide oxide into your body so you'll breathe slower yeah it's what happens when you when you're breathing more carbon dioxide than oxygen i I know but i I just don't get it like i hyperventilating i better breathe into a paper bag that smells like bologna (laughs) (laughs) i mean i probably did it because i saw it on a cartoon show yeah just to to imitate it i i was a brown bag lunch kid and uh, as as my mom would jokingly say to me that I ate the same lunch for 10 years straight, which was PB&J, chips, and then some sort of sweet treat with it. But it was always PB&J. When I got to high school, I will definitely be mocked for walking around with a brown bag. So I just just didn't have anything. (laughs) I just did. Oh, man. My favorite lunchbox was my He-Man. No, Transformers. He-Man and Transformers. I had a Spider-Man one, too. Those, Mm. Those were my favorite. The Simpsons will be right back. Hidely ho, podcast arenos, and welcome to the sixth season of Talking Simpsons. Can you believe we've made it this far already? Well, we couldn't have done it without you. Yes, you, the listeners to our lovely podcast. Not only do we thank you for all your support, all your tweets at us, all your likes on the social medias, but also your support on things like patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Yes, the show is directly supported there and your attention gives us hope. Hope that we can pay our rent by doing a Simpsons podcast. Isn't that everyone's dream? I know it's mine. And I'm living it, thanks to you folks. So, if you still aren't a supporter, though, you're missing out on some really cool stuff. 
What? Well, we just did our Season 5 wrap-up and special deleted scenes video slash audio thing. Yes, first off, we talked through all the big news and historical moments that happened during the fifth season. Plus, we go over every deleted scene from the season piece by piece and comment on it and give it some historical context. You can even see it in video form if you pay $10 a month. It's really, really awesome. And Hachimachi, that's just the beginning because now exclusively on patreon.com slash talking simpsons is talking critic our weekly exploration of every episode of the critic we did the first two is there on their own thing now since we hit the funding goal on patreon we are doing the entire series and it will post every friday on patreon.com slash talking simpsons so if you head there you can see it and there's tons more cool stuff coming down the line and we thank you very much for your support there now, onward to the rest of Season 6. Hey, this is Jerry Cooney, professional boxer and official greeter of Mr. Burns Casino. Welcome to Mr. Burns Casino. If there's anything I can do to make your visit more enjoyable, please, just let me know. Yeah, great. See you. You're listening to the guys on Talking Simpsons. Hey, is that bug off? <laughs> Also, this week's episode of Talking Simpsons is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash talkingsimpsons for a 30-day trial of it, including your own free audiobook. What's so great about audible.com? Well, I'll tell you, as a user of it myself, I love Audible. I really do. I've been a subscriber for years. As somebody who loves listening to podcasts in his ears all the time, it's just as fun to listen to classic audiobooks and new ones, too. What would I suggest? Well, if you're a fan of 90s animation, like this episode episode of the simpsons you'll want to check out dr cat's the audiophiles yes dr cat's is back as its own audio series on audible and you can check out the episodes that feature ray romano andy kindler ted danson sarah silverman ron funches weird al yankovic and more and all the original cast is back too it's really fun i really like it and it is part of audible so if you sign up for the trial you can download all the episodes as part of your membership. And again, how do you sign up for that? AudibleTrial.com slash Talking Simpsons. It's a great way to support the show. Thanks again, AudibleTrial.com slash Talking Simpsons. You like Laser Time shows? Then you might like Bonus Time, Laser Time's weekly bonus show exclusively on Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Here's a taste of what you've been missing. Diana is somehow 40. She doesn't look a lick over 38, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion, uh, but she had a little 40th birthday jam. in the. Fun. I don't know how to talk about that because what? it's like ch- people's children. The doggies didn't get along. They got along, I would say, like 85% of the time, and then yeah, 15% it, of the time they would... I mean, also, I brought my dogs around other dogs. I... I think I've seen that like once. Oh. They they got into it. But then quite you would see bit. they would like run around and just have fun. They would up until the the bone and the hot dogs it's, entered the equation. It, yeah, I think anytime there was a food stuff or mm-hmm. another dog around, mm-hmm. then that would complicate things. There was absolutely no injuries. <laughs> like they, it's all bark yeah. for both of them. It's wow. like <laughs> yeah, and they get close and scratch we, Michael. We yeah, sorry Michael. <laughs> it does create an awkwardness. Mm. I can't speak for Michael and Diana, yeah. or, or or your lady. It would have been great. But like you see, like my took oh, I'm so sorry yeah. this happened, and like these are fucking dogs. Yeah. <laughs> like I, 
No one, there shouldn't be a moment of silence like, oh, this is an awkwardness we might not be able to socially recover from. I was hoping that it would come to like a part where like half the, half the party is siding with their dog and half the party. I saw it. Yeah. She came at him. I saw it. Steve wanted it. <laughs> yes. And, and she, he wasn't going to stop until he got you it. let Steve kick your dog's ass like that? <laughs> Get bonus time, Laser Time's weekly, full-length, uncensored, and ad-free Patreon-exclusive podcasts, as well as full-length movie commentaries, wrestling and cartoon video commentaries, the first season of Talking Simpson and more at patreon.com slash laser time starting at just five bucks you'll help us live and we'll do our best to help you never be bored again then meanwhile we get this is some jerk ass homer here yeah uh, hurry up and finish eating you're steering fine boy Hard to the right. Hard to the left. Hit. Cheer. Old man. Ah! Jack knife, sugar truck. Sugar? Don't worry, buddy. Here's a quarter. Call for help at the nearest phone. I'll keep an eye on things here. If only the sugar were as sweet as you, sir. Homer, that was downright decent of you. We hit the jackpot here. White gold. Texas G. Sweetener. <laughs> so I, I want to say that the old man Homer runs off the road would have been Hans Molman if not for the fact that Hans Molman was driving the truck. Yeah, and, so, but and they would have killed him too. Yes, <laughs> but it's extra funny that that Abe he calls his father old, old man. man. Yeah, <laughs> and that Homer Homer forcing Bart to drive is again very season nine Homer. This is actually ass Homer season. Actually, this season he has Lisa drive uh, uh, Bob Roberts. That's true. Yeah. He will do that. So, okay, mm-hmm. it's not it's not just. But at least that's a fun for a moment cutaway. Yeah, at least a, fun, a better driver than Bart. <laughs> yes, and that and that Homer is sitting in the front seat. He, he's still sitting in the driver's seat, yeah. so Bart can only move the steering wheel and uh yeah it's it is also funny that hans it's a rare time when hans crashes something and isn't dead yeah he, he can walk away from they, it they let him walk away and that mm-hmm. that uh well, white gold texas tea sweetener is from the uh the ballad of jed clampett the beverly hillbillies uh, yes. when they go texas tea it's, instead of white gold, gold though it's black gold black gold texas tea bubbling crude <laughs> hey, we have to reference it before it dies completely. Yes, it's almost uh, gone. No one will recognize that anymore. It's almost gone. And uh, well, and a dated thing in this is Homer gives Hans a quarter to call somebody instead of just using a cell phone, which we all have all the time. Here's a burner cell phone. You don't have the clip, Henry, and it's cool, but my favorite line of the show is, Lisa! I am nice. <laughs> you can <laughs> be a right. little nicer to Principal Skinner. <laughs> well, Lisa's mad about not being skipped ahead of grade. We'll cut that in. We'll cut okay. that in. I don't know, honey. I guess that's a school's decision to make. Well, did you ever talk to anyone at the school? Make a few calls on my behalf? Maybe you could have been nicer to Principal Skinner, if you know what I mean. Lisa. I am nice. I I also like the bit about Homer saying this town charter. They get a lot of work out of the town charter that the ye food stuffs go the village idiot. Yeah. <laughs> since I don't see him around. Uh, but yeah, I like that Marge doesn't get that Lisa is telling her to give sexual favors to yes. Skinner. But they she's nice. She's too naive to realize that. Yeah. Well, I love... has, has been in theaters? Uh, no, it's just like uh-huh. over. That's not a reference to that. But I, I like when it is like Lisa's like hip movement when she goes like nicer. nicer. Yeah. Like it, it also is weird that Lisa is like, yes, I want you 
you, you could have had sex. You should have had sex with Skinner for me. Which just... <laughs> like that would have worked. Lisa, no. is already, Lisa is already this desperate, telling her mom to fuck Skinner yeah. to advance past Allison. She's already that insecure after one day in Allison's presence. They've they've never made Lisa this unlikable. You know? <laughs> Homer makes a dinner of gray slop, which uh, oh, so gross. <laughs> yes. Homer, I really appreciate you making dinner, but this food tastes a little strange. It hurts my teeth. That's because I've loaded it with sugar! <laughs> Marge, our ship has come in! I found 500 pounds of sugar in the forest that I'm going to sell directly <laughs> to the consumer! And all for a low, low price of $1 per pound. But the grocery store sells sugar for 35 cents a pound. And it doesn't have nails and broken glass in it. <laughs> Those are prizes! <laughs> Ooh, a blasting cap. Gross. <laughs> that that sugar meal looks like what was left over in my cereal bowl, like the gray slurry after yes. you eat the cereal. Yeah. When you've had Lucky Charms oh, or yeah, the yeah, most plate. sugary. But the, <laughs> and, <laughs> the, the, the I love Yardley's reading of It Hurts My Teeth is, yeah. is good there, too. And then Homer already has a bag ready for sugar with his own logo inside and everything. I love Bart rolling his eyes when he goes, in the forest. forest. Bart's just like, you don't have to lie. We all know you stole the sugar. So <laughs> I, plastic I, caps are super dangerous. Yeah, you don't want to be chewing on one of those. So, it's such it a ridiculous blow your plot. hand off. You'll lose fingers to a blasting cap. Because Talking Simpsons is my job now, I can mm. crack the books on some serious research. Oh. But the grocery store sells sugar for 35 oh, cents boy. a pound, Marge says. In 2017, the cheapest sugar I could find is 15 cents an ounce, which is 240 a pound. So Homer's <sighs> sugar is much cheaper wow. than our modern sugar. Wow. So there you have man. it. Th- you know, those... Those out-of-touch Hollywood writers don't understand how cheap yeah. sugar Or is. you Splenda. Much is, is that okay? There's always, like, every decade there's a new sugar substitute, and then the previous decade's one is like, well, that caused cancer. A decade later, you figure out why it's bad for you. Yes, yeah. You can't take a shortcut around sugar. You should either just cut it out or, or be fat. Like no short, it turns out there's no shortcut to moderation. I know. <laughs> I was surprised that Uter had that air horn thing. That was his Flugel thing before. Horn. Yeah, the flugelhorn. Yeah. Before Ricola ads were popular, those, okay. those were big in the not in ninety seven was the earliest I could find the oh, really? American okay. Ricola. Oh, it was earlier than that. So, well, that's that was the earliest one my research. It's could one find. of the three most obvious references to pull from Uter's birthplace. Ah. So, yes, yeah, the, like chocolate, uh, <laughs> the flugelhorn, and the lederhosen he's wearing. Actually, they'll fucking throw chocolate on him in this one too. Oh, you're so right. It's just they, <laughs> you're right. And uh, I begged you to let me go first. <laughs> And then also the joke that Jimbo had been practicing his tambourine, yeah. that that works better since it got delayed because this takes place right after Bard of Darkness, so the right. summer is over, so he was practicing in the summer. A nice history callback of, of Martin having his loot as well. Was that from Bart's friend Falls in Love where yes, uh, uh, he's friends with Martin for a second? Yes. Body <laughs> and we see Bart running away in the window. It's one of my favorite shots, and it's yeah. on yeah. Instagram. Speaking, speaking of children not knowing Knowing they're gay. And that's, that's another one of those. That was all their jokes with Martin, which I just wish they they are realistic in that the obviously gay kid would be picked on, but they do hurt my heart. Yeah, like, it's, it's cruel. It's cruel. And uh, then there's some just great sax work back and yeah. forth between Lisa and Alice. They sacrifice jokes just for, to have good animation and good sax work. And all the kids dancing to it, just rocking out it. Yeah. The, this battle of the rivals, which is every story of anime ever, is yes. the Battle of Rivals. This one, it seems to show that 
Allison and Lisa are equals creatively, but that Lisa just doesn't have the stamina that Allison had. Allison had just a little bit more stamina and could blow harder for longer. Shut up. And, <laughs> and, and beat Lisa at this. I mean, we don't hear a lot from Allison during this scene, but I wonder if she was thinking, oh, this is fun. Like, I'm having fun. She was yeah. not as... as uh, maybe what, what ruined Lisa's chances was she was so fixated on winning That's true. that she psyched herself out. Now, there is a little moment of, you can see when Lisa continues going that Allison looks at her with like all right yeah, yeah. go Lisa she she is positive and and like the good rival in anime who's just like I just want us to, uh, steel sharpened steel I want yeah. us to both be the greatest we'll both push go each other to the it. top that that is again the message of every sports anime this uh, episode secretly an anime folks you heard it here <laughs> uh but then they have the best Lisa passes out and it's one of my favorite act breaks it's ever great, but it only works once I hate that it's like <laughs> I, I know it's coming now ah. That was a close one, Lisa, but you made it. I won first chair? No, you regained consciousness. Allison got first chair. Ah! <laughs> oh, it's just a dream. Oh, that was a close one, Lisa, but you made it. I won first chair? No, you regained consciousness. Allison got first chair. And believe me, this is not a dream. Ah! <laughs> Great screaming. Man, and uh, I love how... <laughs> Largo says that for the benefit of the audience. Yeah. He has no reason to know that Lisa had a dream previously. And that it was the exact identical. same. Yeah. <laughs> just... this, is this, it's so weird. This is the most utilized Mr. Largo is. Yeah. Like, ever, yeah, yeah. Which is only strange because he's like, he's one of the main authority figures in the opening of the show since it's yeah, beginning. Yeah, it's true. He probably has the like li- the the ratio of appearance in, in opening to appearance in show probably yeah, yeah. the least. He yeah. really is one of those season one weirdos that probably should have been phased out but wasn't mm-hmm. uh, that stuck around longer than the Howard's Flowers guy and the uh, Candy yeah. Most Dandy guy. He doesn't look right and and he kind of was like for cheap gay jokes or like yeah. uh, and I think later they would oh no they'd say in Homer's Phobia that they had a joke of Largo hanging out with Smithers, but they kind of cut that oh, out. But okay. I, I think they've gotten more explicit in making Largo gay in later seasons. <laughs> really? But, uh, no yes. idea. Nobody loves Mailhouse. No, that's like his, his, his shining moment yes. up until right now. And I guess I guess he only works if you're setting a scene in mm-hmm. band practice and, and uh, nowhere else. Yeah. And so we come back from break. Marge is being asked to compare her children, which again, mm-hmm. that is, I think, a very well-observed by a parent type thing of yeah. your children are constantly asking, am I the favorite? Am I the favorite? who's the favorite and marge you can't win you can't say who's the favorite kid yeah even if you try to qualify it uh, mm-hmm. it never works i really like marge's advice to lisa honey if you get too competitive you'll never be happy no matter how good you are there's always going to be someone better than you i always thought i had the tallest hair but that trip to graceland really opened my eyes <laughs> but she's better than me at everything that makes me special believe me honey she's more scared of you than you are of her you're thinking of bears mom Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. that trip to great that is such a great joke yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i love that joke but it breaks a a big matt graining rule that i've heard him talk to about another one no that no one every simpson is the most simpsony simpson of of springfield in that no kid can have hair like bart's but with more spikes mm-hmm. no no character can be bald like Homer or have less hairs than Homer in in that design, and nobody can have bigger hair than Marge. They mm, intentionally like, make we never sure, see it, so I think they can yes. get away with it. But but the implication that there are people with bigger hair than Marge they're is all great. Elvis fans, and they're all Elvis <laughs> fans, which is perfect. Yes. I lo- I do love that. It's a wonderful joke. 
Marge's point on like, you know, being competitive is a good thing, but you do have to recognize like there always will be somebody better than you. Yeah. Like you can't and and you can't give up, but you also can't let that destroy you. You don't either. have to be the best, just stay sharp. Mm-hmm. Stay sharp. And after this we have a scene with Skinner where I think the more antagonistic side <laughs> of Agnes Skinner is coming out mm. where he she grounds Skinner for going to the door. I Thanks mean, a lot, Simpson. Now I'm grounded. This is a very Bates Motel thing. This fits more oh, with Oh yeah, yeah. This fits more with, with Agnes being an unseen character and implying that like he murdered his mother a long time ago and he's <laughs> pretending she's there. But like, I, I do like the Tress McNeil just screaming un- unintelligibly <laughs> in the background. Yeah. Just talking to the sugar man, mother. <laughs> the sugar man. <laughs> the sugar man. And Homer just eating scoopfuls of sugar. While uh, what was their sugar name? Like Simpson and Son or something? Uh, no, it was Homer's... Farmer. Uh, it was Farmer Simpson. Okay, yes. That's right. Then Lisa Lisa has already been replaced as the nerd in the class. Hey, Allison, what's the answer to number nine? I can't tell you, Ralph. I can't tell you either, Ralph. Leave me alone. I just love that. Leave me alone. <laughs> so now Lisa is tired of of being replaced, and yeah. she she needs to. She's ready to go underhanded to do it. At yeah, first. I mean, for as sick as she was of Ralph, she now needs this validation. It's a very mm. interesting mirror to the first scene we see. I, I like how this is written. Yeah, yeah, but though though Ralph should want her help, like Lisa's answers are still good <laughs> too. Like even if she's second best in class, you'll get the right answers. She from broke her. us out of national TV. Fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Ralph is completely forgotten. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's what just, makes that's what makes him peak Ralph. That yes. part of his brain is dissolved. <laughs> and uh, then Bart, I like the Bart taking a voice memo thing, and I think that was before Norm Macdonald was doing that on SNL. Yeah, um, he didn't say did he note say, to self. Did Bart blah, say blah, note blah. to self? Mm. Uh, uh, he would say note. He'd yeah, okay, say like, yeah. Note buy fewer business cards. <laughs> Germans love David Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we get a shout out to the show America's Most Wanted, a co-show with Fox, which would actually a year from this episode produce a Simpsons tie-in oh, episode yeah. of America's Most Wanted which we'll get to that. I want to do that as a Patreon exclusive oh. uh, commentary watch along. I'm there. I'm as there. Outside of American Idol, all of Fox's longest running shows are from their debut. Yeah. Like from their first or second year on That's the true. The Simpsons still on. If only Married with Children was still on, they were <laughs> all like 50 or 60. Like Christina Applegate at 48 was still on the show. I mean, uh, I, I do like the line, try to take him alive. Yes. The, the guy is tracking child. the house. And he's like, not again. <laughs> they just smashed the jungle gym. They realize that seeing Millhouse in danger or hurt is very funny. People don't. It is. Yeah. People don't feel bad that a child is hurt when it's Millhouse. It's okay to hurt Millhouse. In the next scene, uh, Homer uh, has his major profit is finding a dollar in the parking lot mm-hmm. or in the driveway or whatever. And we get a sense of how little Homer actually makes. Uh, he lost $40 by not going to work. This was like a little over minimum wage in 1994. Like, yeah, man. wait a minute. That was, yeah. that was almost my first paycheck for, at, at yeah. Wendy's. Warming buns for eight hours straight. My first real paycheck, uh, I believe, was Taco Bell. And that was mm-hmm. five fifteen, which was minimum wage. Uh, I four twenty five. That's how old I am. Yeah, mm-hmm. mine was in the $4 range at AMC Theaters, yeah. too. Too, and it's just can God, really stretch that four dollars. Government do take a bite. For uh. me to think of that now, like I spent an entire day at a horrible job, smelling like popcorn all day. For fu- for fucking forty bucks, like, uh, I'd ra- I'd just shit down my leg for that. And money. the people at the top were paying lobbyists and uh, politicians to get that down lower. Yes. You deserve less, Henry. Uh, hey, if there's no bottom, then there's no place for people to start, right? Uh-huh. I mean, that's economics. One, fuck you. All right. Welcome fuck. to talking free market. Okay. 
Uh, this is another hallmark, a bad hallmark of the Scully years, though. Homer not giving a shit that he's fired from work. Yeah. Him starting a job and not caring. It is exemplified in the great line slash horrible moment of Bart saying, do you even have a job anymore? I yeah. think it's pretty obvious I, I don't. don't. Right. I, I love that line, but it, it, it explains everything. It's just like, yeah, they don't fucking care. They used to build in scenes where Burns would be wondering where Homer was or Homer would be putting in a fake notice or, or something like that. Or his supervisor would give him time off to go to be the capital city. Yeah, and and a brick from a lever. Yes, <laughs> all that stuff. But in this one, they're, in eh. future ones, they'd just be like, who cares? If he, if and the, the kindest I've ever seen any job like that. They said, if you don't show up tomorrow, don't show up at all. Yeah, I, don't I don't show up think I've ever got that. Kind of grace Ooh, three day weekend, <laughs> four day weekend. Oh yeah, we get the second place memories, which I I love this scene. I think this is my line of the show, which is uh, why would they it. show up just to boo us? Yeah, that's the joke. Hey, I am above average. So what if Allison's ahead of me? There's no shame in being second. And now Avis Renegar is proud to present the second best band in America. Will you welcome Garfunkel, Messina, Oates, and Lisa singing their number two hit, Born to Runner Up. Why would they come to our concert just to boo us? (laughs) Yeah, I do like Lisa questioning the logic of her anxiety, (laughs) which just... Uh, self-evidently should not make sense. Anxiety is, is are things happening in your brain that don't have any logic. They're just there to torture you. And she's just like, well, why, yeah, why would they fun. do this? Yeah. It's real fun to have those anxieties that don't make sense. And then having to explain to people like, yeah, I know it doesn't make sense. I don't care. I need to turn this light on five times. Yeah, it still doesn't. But people show up just to boo and act mm-hmm. only if it's free. Uh-huh. Yeah, they do that for That's, free. Yeah. Or if it was like an improv everywhere stunt. So we should go over the people in the yes. band. Uh, Garfunkel and Oates, of course. <laughs> um, and we have uh, one I didn't get until now because I look it up. Messina. He was oh, with yes. Kenny Loggins. I had no idea. You've never heard of Loggins and Messina? Yeah. That's, That's how, Loggins, how, how much Loggins overshadowed him. Yeah. yeah. So Loggins and Messina were a folk rock act of the 70s, early 70s. Their biggest hit was Dan. Danny's song, which uh, uh, I, this you, one's you, about Danny. Uh, <laughs> they never talk here. about Danny. It's uh, I'll put it in right now. And even though we ain't got money, I'm so in love with you, honey. Everything will bring a chain of love. love. In the morning when I rise, bring a tear of joy to my eyes and day. Loggins is just so associated with like the, the danger zone? best the best of the worst eighties butt rock. Yeah. So they broke up in seventy six, <laughs> both to go solo. <laughs> One did better than the other. Oh yeah. But they uh they did reunite for some concerts in the two thousands. Mm, and did not notice. Uh, <laughs> Messina needed it more than Loggins, but it was nice of Loggins to do it. But I'm sure Messina did okay for yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah. Well and, they uh, they sold a ton of albums back when that made you money. Yeah, I guess having one hit album in seventy six or whatever would you know, you set for life, mm-hmm. I guess. And uh, Oats, obviously, Hall and Oats. Mm-hmm. Hauling Oats. I love Hall and Oats. Hall mm-hmm. and Oats fucking rules. I love all their songs. Private Eyes. Uh, I love that. The, the Sarah song. They're great. They are legitimately great, and you should listen to all their greatest hits, and they are a huge deal. But they're equals, and they never broke up. That's another thing, mm, too. Unlike uh, unlike Garfunkel with Paul Simon or Loggins and Messina, Hollow Notes have never broken really? up. 
Ocean's and, just always listed oh, second. <laughs> that was just always their deal that yeah. they were. And and actually, I read a quote of John Oates bringing up that our albums never said Hall and Oates on them. You all called us Hall and Oates. Every album is titled Daryl Hall and John, and John Oates. Mm. They are not Hall and Oates and I, albums. For a, the longest time as a little kid, I thought it was one word. Hall and Oates. Yes. Hall and Oates. <laughs> Hall and Oates. Uh, good old Hall and Oates. And, and the Avis rent-a-car thing. I didn't know this either. I didn't either. That um, I've never rented a car, so I don't pay much attention to any of that battle there. But the war of Hertz versus Avis has mm. been going on for the longest time, and Hertz has always been number one, and Avis has always been number two. So much so that even 50 years ago, in a 1962 ad campaign, 55 years ago, they built their ad campaign for the longest time on that they are second place, and that means wow. they're going to give you better service oh, that's cute. in their We Try Harder ads. <laughs> we try harder, Avis. Avis, we don't know another way. Wow. <laughs> yes. We don't, they actually dropped the We Try Harder thing about five years ago and, oh and for God. a new thing, but that was their saying for, for 50 years of like, we're not going to settle for being number one like Hertz and take you for granted. We're going to be obsessive and work extra hard Hertz to be the best. On I can only think of O.J. Simpson after watching that yeah, documentary. Yeah. It's like the first major black athlete with an ad with mm-hmm. endorsement Which was running like through an airport yeah. to his Hertz car. <laughs> like, They're great looking commercials. They are, they are. It's, it's, the, it's uh, poor Hertz. <laughs> we do get the uh, Millhouse fugitive scene after this. Yes! Hey, wait, there's nothing bad here. Yep, she's clean as a bean. But I did tip off the feds as to the whereabouts of our good friend, Millhouse. I'm telling you, I didn't do anything. I don't care. Great sound mixing on the that. The my glasses makes it perfect. It yeah, it, you he survives. You, you almost feel bad for him, but if he says my glasses like, like a Velma, then yeah. you're just like ah. It's also that his body just explode upon hitting yes. the ground well, or the water. The shot is very specific oh, yeah, to yeah. the fugitive. Nobody remembers the fugitive now, but in the early it, '90s, he, everyone referenced it all the time. It's going to be in an upcoming I, talking critic. Well, yes. it's a lot. Pie a house where because my favorite line from Pie the film was like. Richard Kimball turning to Tommy Lee Jones. He's like, I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Yeah. He's like, it's not It's not my job. Oh, oh, please, please. I love this line. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the look at his face is yeah. awesome. Like, it's my job to chase you down, whether you're guilty or innocent. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones won a uh, Best Supporting Oscar. Certainly like earned defining it. role, I think. This is, this is, to this day, I believe, the only television sh- movie based on a television show to be nominated for an Academy wow. Award, now, and, that's, and it holds up. It is yeah. really a really fun movie. I oh, watched the Mod Squad movie. <laughs> <laughs> the Fugitive is so easily watchable, and even the sequel, not a sequel, U.S. Marshals, mm-hmm. is really good. Where he's just hunting down Wesley Snipes, who is another presumed innocent <laughs> man, and and that line, mm-hmm. I don't care, was improvised. Mm-hmm. Originally, his line was supposed to be, "So you didn't kill your wife." But then Tommy Lee Jones improvised that line for the best moment of the movie. That is great. I didn't know it was an ad lib. And he's so awesome in this in this film yeah. for real. Like I'm not even like a Tommy Lee Jones fan, but he's great in this film. Totally the, the deserving. The perfect Oscar. gruff cop. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. And they are in the same section, but he doesn't immediately jump off the bridge, off the pipe in 
right after the I Don't Care line in the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, I think Hank Azaria didn't do as good a job with like, I don't care. It, yeah, like, he didn't do it. It's, it's a different reading. At all. Yeah. He probably was just doing it for memory. They didn't have the VHS in the room. It's probably and- recorded in like the fall of 93. Yeah, or you didn't yeah. see yeah. it. Like the movie would have been really fresh at this point. It'd still be in theaters. But the animators, that jump, yeah, the, jump the dive was perfect because it was, yeah. he is, in in the jump in the movie, Harrison Ford or the dummy or whatever <laughs> is in a very fixed position yeah. just like Milhouse is yeah. of falling into yeah, look the water. Like, look like at the very end of a cartwheel. And that was in every every commercial for yeah. the movie forever. And it was so. amazing. Yeah. Like it was... Uh, I do like the visit to the very waspy Taylor residence. I, I like it implies a lot more about her life and it maybe maybe another reason why she's so much better than Lisa is mm-hmm. that she has a better environment that is supporting her intelligence. And, a, and an educated father who, who, who maybe, goes to his job. Who also is maybe letting her practice the sex whenever she feels like mm-hmm. it. You know what? I'm sorry I gave that line of the show because this is this is also my favorite line. He's so quietly patronizing. You to come over, Lisa. I really want us to be friends. You're a wonderful person. Hi, Lisa. I'm Allison's father, Professor Taylor. I've heard great things about you. Oh, really? Oh, don't be modest. I'm glad we have someone who can join us in our anagram games. We take proper names and rearrange the letters to form a description of that person. Like, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, Alec Guinness. Genuine class. (laughs) Oh, very good. All right, Lisa, um... Jeremy Irons. Jeremy's Irons. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very good for a first try. You know what? I have a ball. Perhaps you'd like to bounce it. <laughs> what a fucking asshole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is. That, there could have been a better way to handle that. But I, what I like about how well observed this is, it's mm-hmm. not just that they're smarter than Lisa. It's also the class issue yeah. at hand mm-hmm. here, which is not really pointed out explicitly, Professor. but it's something that I felt as a kid, a upper lower middle class kid with two mm-hmm. working class parents going to a friend's house who had things much better than yep. me and just feeling really insecure and then getting home and be like, why is all of our stuff shitty? Huh. <laughs> like, it's not fair. <laughs> yeah. So the class thing is definitely part of the uh, anxiety Lisa's feeling, I feel like. Mm-hmm. That's not explicitly pointed out by the show. And this would define Jeremy Irons for me <laughs> yes. the rest yeah. of my life. I'd always think of him as Jeremy's Irons. I'm talking critic, I think I called him Jeremy's Irons. <laughs> Jeremy's Irons a few times but uh, Allison also has a sign bleeding ums Murphy photo in her trophy room oh I missed that yeah so oh, it's man. like that's amping up the pressure on Lisa even more like yeah. we have the same idol who will die soon uh, and from some internet suggestions for anagrams for Jeremy Irons <laughs> Uh, my favorite three were Mines Air Joy, Mr. Enjoys Ire, uh-huh. and My Iron Jeers. Oh, you, I you see. can't have any letters left over, I'm guessing. Yeah, no, those have to use all of them. But, uh, Two letters is... off from rearranging my name into Antichrist. I love <laughs> uh, Mr. But, enjoys Ire is my favorite. <laughs> yes, I can't, and that does explain the character, or the, mm-hmm. him as a person, I guess, just like genuine class does. I mean, you could call, uh, Alec Guinness was a grumpy dude. You could also call him Mr. Enjoys Ire. Iron. Yes, but it's, uh, it's funny. They're both like very, uh, very distinguished British actors they're mm-hmm. using in their word games, too. Yes, and, and, stars of movies kids shouldn't have seen outside of Star Wars. Yeah, it's true. I And, and that Alec Guinness's entire life after Star Wars was 
telling dorks like read a book <laughs> stop <laughs> there's more than star wars it would be a very kind of mr bergstrom episode thing but i want i wanted homer to meet allison taylor's father just so we can mm. compare the two role models in lisa's <laughs> life uh, i mean allison's role model and lisa's role mm. model see how different their upbringing was yeah but unfortunately homer doesn't have that emotional complexity in this yeah. episode he he is captain wacky he's, for sure he's on another wacky adventure i love that allison is super into dioramas i think dioramas are cool too it's one of the only things i excelled at in mm-hmm. school i loved making dioramas uh, still do they're really just about posing action figures mm-hmm. which is something i loved doing when i no, had no, an I'd office stuff out of clay. yeah yeah i made one in college for being there i put a little peter sellers in a optical illusion inside a hollowed out black and white television did you set. minor in dioramas chris Is no what I, happened i had just one of those teachers like do whatever you want man just make a thing <laughs> read this book do a thing and uh the telltale heart is i mean it's generous to even call it a short story mm-hmm. like it's it's like two pages it's like a pamphlet <laughs> yeah and it was written by edgar Allan poe in 1843 and Honestly, I give Lisa credit for doing stuff with Oliver Twist over the Telltale Heart. Like that's a big Oliver book. Oliver Twist a is a book. monster book. Mm-hmm. I would I've never read yes. Oliver Twist. I mean, like all of Dickens' works, it was uh, published uh, in serial chapters mm-hmm. in newspapers, and written he was as a musical <laughs> written as a musical. I don't. <laughs> no. uh, well, it was written uh, paid by the word, mm-hmm. so wow. they're long for a reason Holy because shit. he was writing for newspapers and, and magazines. Words were worth money. <laughs> uh, I think he got paid more by the word than any journalist does today. Wow. Not even accounting for inflation. I remember in Tale of Two Cities, there's like three chapters that are like, this is just you killing time. Yeah. Like, the whole point of this is this guy, uh, he just learns that rusty screws come off of people who steal from corpses. That's it. Like, you, that could... Uh, but he made a, so he, much he made a tasty time. 500 uh, pounds for yeah, that. So. Yeah, he bought a fine pheasant that day. Uh, then the follow-up of Allison saying, oh, I got away from you. You keep at it. Uh-huh. Like, what? He's, he's got to be a real asshole as a teacher, <laughs> like if he's your professor. And... Uh, then Homer channels uh, Scarface. Thieves everywhere. The strong must protect the sweet. The sweet. Homer? In America, first you get the sugar, then you get the power, then you get the women. Homer! <laughs> All right, so that is directly from Scarface. Five times. This country... You gotta make the money first. Then when you get the money, you get the power. Then when you get the power, then you get the woman. I kind of hate this movie. Oh, that movie sucks. Uh, it's looked up to by the tackiest people ever. Yeah, I, I think it, it's ubiquity in the late '90s in every rap song, every dorm room. Yeah, yeah I, I had two Scarface posters, so I'm part mm. of the problem because <laughs> I love gangster movies, mm-hmm. but I think this is one of the worst. Oh, it's uh, it is a cartoon of a yeah. movie. I'll say that in '94, referencing Scarface wasn't as hack yeah. as it would be of every character in say 1999 was saying, mm-hmm. "Say goodbye mm-hmm. to my little friend, say, huh?" It's Say hello to my little friend. Yeah. I was I was intentionally misquoting. Okay. No, because everybody does. The way he says yeah. it is like it's so fast. <laughs> Say hello, my little friend. Yeah. Like very very fast, and everybody slows it down. You're and right. Emphasizes it. That was such an overused reference in the nineties. <laughs> He's been so sick of it. Yeah. And it is just like everybody. Everybody loved it because it's like, oh, it's the honor among thieves thing. See, like I'm, I'm a gangster, but I have honor, man. It's, 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 it's like, hard to even look up to a dude like that. He's such mm. a piece of shit, oh, irredeemable yeah. piece of shit. He's just, he's just in the story, surrounded by more irredeemable people. That he's like, well, he's the good one. Probably one of the only good jokes in the horrible movie Dirty Work is, uh, <laughs> I think it's Norm Macdonald watching a, a scene of a Scarface-like massacre taking place. You don't see mm. any of the violence happening; just him reacting to people shouting, "What's happening?" Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know if you put All that right, clip settle in. Settle down, but... prostitutes. Uh, and then there was the uh, the British man just hiding. I He's either hiding British within man. the sugar or po- or he pops out right behind I him. It. And I'd do it again. I'd do it again. I love that character. I and just it. the fluidness of pulling him out of the sugar. Yes. He's the weirdest cartoon character in the whole show. Uh, but yes, Bob, you're right. This is the George Meyer speech, and quite a Homer speech it is. With animation by David Silverman. He saw this scene, heard the dialogue, and said, I must animate this. And this is some Silverman-ass yeah. drawing and poses so you, you don't need a commentary to confirm it to know it, it homer completely transforms mm-hmm. from how he was in the one second earlier to be david silverman's i home. want every episode to look like this homer when are you gonna give up this crazy sugar scheme never never marge i can't live the button-down life like you i want it all the terrifying lows the dizzying highs the creamy middles sure I might offend a few of the blue noses with my cocky stride and musky odors. Oh, I'll never be the darling of the so-called city fathers who cluck their tongues, stroke their beards, and talk about what's to be done with this homie Simpson. Look, just get rid of the sugar, okay? No! That was a real throw the goddamn bomb moment. It's just so great. Anytime Marge is fed up with Homer, like, yeah, you talk for 30 seconds, Come on. It's just like the uh, you can't handle the truth. It's Chinatown scene. She's like, don't talk about me in class. Okay. Except with this one, Homer doesn't change. He's like, no. Yeah. But also, this isn't this isn't Homer directly stealing from a bunch of movies. This is just him giving a movie-esque speech. It's insane. And uh, I had to look a few of these terms up. Well, just one. I didn't know what blue noses were. They're just puritanical people. People that look down on the the, uh, attitudes of others. File that away. (laughs) Perhaps they hold their nose up so high that it's turning blue from the Cold. I'm sure that's the etymology. <laughs> and uh, then this is this is the best line to show you're all wrong. Uh, it's the yeah, best sequence. Again, it's good. That's the joke. <laughs> hey, get off my sugar, bad beast, bad. Ow, ow, ow! They're defending themselves somehow. Great, great <laughs> scream by Dan. <laughs> And, it's my uh, favorite scream by the fucking bee is in his eye. Yes. And he's not moving and screaming in pain and defending. he's not getting away. They're defending themselves somehow. It's one of my favorite jokes ever. For some reason I thought that line was from Call of the Simpsons, the bee scene in that oh, yes. in that episode, but it's not. It's from Homer this one. We should have learned yeah. those things. There's one thing you know everybody knows about bees. It's yeah. just the funniest dumb yeah, throwaway. They're defending joke. themselves somehow. But just that ow. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> that second ow! Yeah. Let me hear it again. I it's, gotta hear it's it. It's just right. sinking in that it hurts. Bad beat! Bad! Ow! Ow! <laughs> it's like... I can I can think of the thought process. It's like, oh, this hurts. Oh, no, it really hurts. Yeah. Oh, no, this is pain. <laughs> it's just taking... Uh, the, the, the pain is taking a while to get to Homer's brain, uh, I think. Oh, God. Oh, God. I love that. I do love that so much. Uh. What I love also are the two uh, very weird beekeepers. <laughs> yeah. Well, wait, before we get to okay. the beekeepers... Uh, oh, Lisa God. Lisa builds her all oh, you're twisting right. okay. and, and is basically punished by the fates for trying too hard. And you're right. I, just fu- she made a better diorama than Allison. She outperformed Allison, and then it flies out the window just because she dared. To, she went too far. That was a powerful movie. fan. So yes, and, and it Bart's the important thing is that we survived. <laughs> I like that. She said that I, I never read all of her twists. Uh, oh, okay. apparently she says there are 75 characters. According to Spark Notes, there are only 37 characters. 
characters, and I counted in the diorama, Lisa only rendered 22 of them. Oh, boy. Asking an animator or an uh, artist to draw 75 <laughs> tiny figurines, that's pretty, all distinct. That's pretty cruel. Yeah, they drew 22 and called it a day. My headcanon is that Lisa was so tired, her count was off. She said it nearly killed her and that she had worked all night on it, maybe multiple nights with no sleep. So yeah. maybe her count's just off on that. For as professional as Bart is about his pranks, I mm. love how it just is uh, this weird nuclear option with a hose. Like, we, <laughs> yes. splay, we spray her with a hose, giving her the splashing of a lifetime. Uh, Bart with the hose is very similar to Homer's plan of roll the Dean up in a carpet yes. and throw him off a bridge. That's true. And and that uh, Bart ask is obviously an invented French word, but as a kid, I believed it was real. I was like, I'm sure, it's as a, a website French say, Bartes. I do like how splashback is really collateral damage in yes, this French. Yeah, it's it's what people would learn to talk about, say, the Iraq War. Yes. There's bound to be some splashback. I, I think I knew who the bee farmers are referencing, <laughs> yeah. but but due to the recent passing of Adam West, oh, it was yeah. so fucking clear and beautiful. I uh, don't know who the Harry Shearer character is, but I love, oh, look, the bees are leaving. Well, he's just, <laughs> he's just supposed to be a the the normal person who to react to make even more stark That's the true. Adam West act. Yeah, I got, he, I, I got the Blu-rays and I've been watching. This is a really good Adam West from his yeah. area. Oh, sure is quiet in here today. Yes, a little too quiet, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Hmm. I'm afraid I don't. You see, bees usually make a lot of noise. No noise! Suggests no bees. <laughs> oh, I understand now. Oh, look, there goes one. <laughs> to the Beemobile! You mean your Chevy? Yes. Well, very clever, Simpson. Luring our bees to your sugar pile and then selling them back to us at an inflated price. Bees are under what now? Simpson, <laughs> you diabolical. We're willing to pay you $2,000 for the swarm. Deal! Oh, wait a minute. The bees are leaving. No! My sugar is melting! Melting! Oh, what a world! Mm-hmm. And a reference to it. obviously <laughs> that's a reference. You cursed rat! Look what you've done! Right. What an awkward scene in hindsight. Just yeah. like, I'm describing what I'm doing in case this doesn't read visually. I, I prefer the Futurama joke. Who would have thought a small amount of water would ever fall on me? Yes. <laughs> Who would have thought a small amount of liquid would oh, ever liquid. fall on me? <laughs> That's great. That is the perfect parody but of that. Just, but I don't know. I, I, Adam West recently passed, and there's yes. been a lot more eloquent things said about him. But like, I grew up with no cable and mm. endless Batman 66 reruns, so it wasn't cheesy. It was just the first Batman I ever knew, and I mm, fucking loved yes. it. And I, I love that the the writers, just that the show had been on so long, the writers are the same they way. They grew up with it. They grew up with it as well, mm. and I just, I love celebrating Adam West like this. Yeah, and, and as comedy nerds, they grew up to realize, like, Adam West's delivery is perfect yeah, it, and makes everything yeah. funny. It went camp and like, oh, this is hard to do. This yes, is secretly uh, genius. Mm. Adam West rules. R.I.P. I love the beekeepers because if you pay attention to their conversation, <laughs> it's extremely boring and dull. But what makes it sing is the fact that these two wildly different uh, attitudes are playing off of each other. Just like one guy's asking another guy to clarify, <laughs> and it's just a very boring, to-the-point conversation. He says, now I understand. Yeah, now I understand. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, then the, the water falls on the bees. The yard would be ruined by melting sugar oh, into yeah. the ground, like all that. And I then- mean, it's not gonna really going to go anywhere. It's just going to kind of spread out and get all slushy. And the, the spit take of the British guy seeing the sugar disappear was a great callback too. I love I that. I nicked it. And uh, 
Homer giving up and his moral from it is that like that's why God portions it out in tiny amounts and why he lives on a plantation, <laughs> plantation in, Hawaii, in Hawaii. Which so in Homer's mind, God is a real person who owns a plantation in Hawaii. That's it. So the one reference that is barely a reference Ooh. that someone just thought of in a minute and they put it on the screen is the beekeepers work for Goldsboro's Honey. Whoa. And that is a reference to the song Honey, in parentheses, I Miss You by Bobby Goldsboro, written Holy by Bobby Russell. Shit. And this is actually listed as one of the worst songs of all time. <laughs> Because it is about a, it's a very maudlin song about a kind of dull, ditzy girl who does silly things. And then the third verse is, oh, now she's dead. And I miss her. Jesus. <laughs> yes. So here's uh, Honey, the song. And honey, I miss you. And I'm being good. And I'd love to be with you. What is this song? If only I could. Yeah, it's really maudlin. Yeah, you can uh, you can pause. She now. wrecked the car. <laughs> no, that's not how she died. Uh, it's just oh, this like is just her being like, bad. The first three verses are like these silly things my ditzy girlfriend did, and then mm-hmm. the fourth verse is like, oh, and then I got home, and it turns out the angels took her away, oh, and now man. now you know why I, I want to be with you again. They didn't oh. break up. She's dead. Wow. Yeah. And that it, oh that my quavering God. wannabe Johnny Mathis voice. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> with you, fucking backup woman or a theremin. <laughs> it's, it's it was one of the many uh, things times in the sixties or seventies where this wailing ghost noise would be in the yeah. background of a lot of pop songs. I kind of <laughs> like it. I mean, that's her spirit yeah. shouting at him. Uh, you know, that is very bad, but I honestly think I might do that at karaoke the next time. <laughs> then finally, we are at Dialrama uh, Rama, which is, uh, I, I love that Skinner loves that, <laughs> and yeah. that it, it is his second favorite thing between hearing test Thursday. I think it's the first joke I ever thought up on my own that made it into The Simpsons. <laughs> I love Diorama so much. It was like, just make dinosaurs out of clay. Look, look what I did. It's Jurassic <laughs> and the the Nelson Gallagher joke is pretty good. I, it recalls a simpler time of thinking of Gallagher. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, because Uter's a big fat kid, he eats all the chocolate. Mm-hmm. That's the joke there. And uh, Two Uter jokes in one episode. Yeah, Uter's getting a real... Scully got a lot of work out of Uter because it usually was like, we need a fifth kid to do jokes with. <laughs> well, all right, Uter. Well, before he died. Yes, yeah. And the PTA disbands. They, they, uh, thank goodness for permission slips, man. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Bart's fake diorama is just awesome. That his, it's a cow's horn. It's a cow's But uh, I, I, this is when it gets very arched, but I like it too. Hey, everybody. Whoa, look at me. I'm over here. Turn this way right now. Hey, it's Bart. And he's doing stuff. <laughs> Bart, stop creating a diversion and get out of here. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do like the final call. And Milhouse is okay, everybody. He's fine. But his glasses are broken. Oh, yeah, and he's doing stuff. <laughs> I love that. And he's doing stuff. What a resilient boy. So uh, I love that line. Uh, and yeah, so I don't know why there's a trap door in the basketball car court, <laughs> but it's pretty it's pretty great that Lisa hides that there. Mm-hmm. And and then Bart acting as a crowd. I was like, I love how he squints his eye like, they're trying to make a monkey out of you. It's a very Bugs Bunny turn. Yes. Doing all those different voices. He becomes Bugs Bunny at the end of this. Like yeah. also that he is able to, where to get that heart, you know? <laughs> and Watch Lady Doris. And, oh, right. oh, that's true. Yeah, he'd been saving it since his uh, since the Valentine's Day. More party. hearts means more iron. Uh, and then Skinner, I think Skinner was just in a bad place because he'd been grounded by his mom for yeah. talking to the Sugar Man. But he just unloads on. And Allison. he's projecting his own insecurities too. I, I love, love how it turns I into love that. This. Yeah. Uh, 
least have the guts to take the blame, girl. You're only compounding your folly by lying about it. Right on. Young lady, cow hearts belong in a butcher's window, not the classroom. Well, maybe in an older student's biology classroom, but that's none of my business. Elementary school is where I wound up, and it's too late to do anything about that. Ah, <laughs> ah so great. I feel like that's a that's a great Skinner line I kind of overlooked because I was concentrating more on the Allison part, but it's just like, no, he's turning this into being about him. He's like, well, I wouldn't know. This is where I ended up. Yeah, because the shot's on Lisa. So if you're not listening to him, you can it's miss it. It's too late to do anything about that. Uh, and then, yes, Lisa then has the exact ending of the Telltale Heart, which yep. is that he's in the Telltale Heart... The guy murdered his roommate, basically, who was a gross old man, and chopped up his body and saved the heart under the floorboard. The cops come to investigate him. The cops have no inclination that it is this guy, but his anxiety is boiling up so much Mm -hmm. that he hears the heart beating under the floorboard and is sure they hear it, too. So he must shout out, and this is the last line of the Telltale Heart. It is the beating of his hideous heart. Awesome. But Lisa changes it slightly, obviously, for context. It's the beating of that hideous heart! I mean, I think I hear something. (laughs) Why, here's Allison's real diorama. It got misplaced. Or so it would seem. God, Lisa goes through a huge range of emotions in that 20 seconds. It's really good. Good job, Yardley Smith. It got misplaced, or so it seems. And then it's a very... Well, Scully would definitely do an FU ending like this in his seasons, too. But this feels like a very murky FU of, like, nobody wins. I do no. like it. It's just, like, the stakes are only as high as the institutions that, um, you know, <laughs> put them out there. So just, yeah. like, the institution filled both of them because they're just like, this actually doesn't matter, kids. Mm. We're just, this is just busy work it's for you. It's also my favorite series of framing and lines. Well, this doesn't deserve to win. And then yeah. right into, like, is it time for what time is it? Almost yeah. lunch. And he just pulls yes. up the ribbon into the frame. Yeah, th- this so is good. all great. Let's have a look. Got the ribbon ready. Hmm. Oh, a little sterile. No real insight. What do you think, Miss Hoover? Eh. This has been a very disappointing day. All right, on to Lisa Simpson. You're a shoo-in now, Lise. After the way I've behaved, I don't deserve to win. Well, this doesn't deserve to win. What? <laughs> oh, no, we're into the dregs. Here's Ralph Wiggum's entry. Prepackaged Star Wars characters still in their display box? Are those the limited edition action figures? What's a diorama? Why, it's Luke. And Obi-Wan. And my favorite, Chewie. They're all here. What do you think? I think it's lunchtime. We have a winner! (laughs) (laughs) So the stakes were never there to begin with. (laughs) They were never there. Skinner, that Skinner doesn't care. He's like, eh, these aren't very good. And then just goes for... The implication is that Skinner is a mega nerd because in 1994, the only people that would care about Kenner Star Wars action Mm -hmm. figures from the late 70s and early 80s would be super duper dorks. Yeah, there was a rare period in time, and that's the time I grew up, where liking Star Wars was considered uncool. Mm -hmm. And Star Wars was kind of out of circulation. Uh, I said it before on podcasts. I saw Spaceballs a million times before I saw any (laughs) Star Wars movie at Mm -hmm. all. uh... But uh, now that will never happen. There will be a new Star Wars movie every year. You will get sick of it. You will start to hate (laughs) Star Wars. They will have days of like, this is when all the new Star Wars toys are Toys yeah. R Us and Target go there. There's, there's a great documentary about it called Plastic Galaxy, mm-hmm. which sort of chronicles Lucas abandoning Star Wars merchandise in eighty like eighty six. Like just mm-hmm. let's give it a rest. Who cares? Yeah. And as as a kid, I went to the free YMCA day camp. Love telling that story. <laughs> and it why it was the young man's Christian association. So everything was donated. 
giant sandbox the size of a swimming pool where somebody dumped a truckload of incredibly valuable... Every Star Wars piece of merchandise you could think of was donated <laughs> by, I, I'm guessing, either people or stores getting rid of that inventory. Yeah. So being torn... Like, I remember recreating the Death Star with licensed panels from the Death Star in a sandbox, digging a trench and lining it with this Death Star lining and flying shit through it with shitty, piss-soaked, spittle... <laughs> like, Those are probably the toys of kids a decade older than yeah, you. Just yeah, like, like, uh, yeah. Like, this all predates them. us. So yeah. I, I do find that story fascinating. But it's also... We were just as a nerd coming in t- back into Star Wars love. Star Wars mm. was pretty ubiquitous for me. I had a bunch of the discounted toys, mm. none of the good ones. Uh, yeah. But I love Star Wars. And this, is the first, this is the first real big pop culture Star Wars reference that I can think of. Yeah. And this was late 94 when the episode aired. Mm-hmm. It would be 1997 before the toys would return with the power of the Force action figures from Hasbro. With the so- special editions, which have officially existed for half of Star Wars no. existence, yeah, and uh, yeah, and those and those a mint in box Kenner twenty ninety four would be worth a lot of money. I think it's worth even more now, and uh, and I think at first it's implied Skinner takes them, but then Ralph has them. Yeah, so he just wants to hug them. He just wants to hug them, <laughs> especially his favorite Chewie. <laughs> One thing I want to point out is a very observational uh, touch where Skinner's looking at her diaries like all kind of sterile, no real insight. I feel mm. like there's a, a certain kind of smart person who's really just good at school. And that's yeah. basically the kind yeah. of intelligence Allison might have. She, it might fail her in the actual world applying it to things. But there's a kind of, of intelligence where she's like, I know how to work the school system, mm-hmm. but I don't, know, I don't have a real creative spark or anything like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've yeah. met plenty of people like that are great at school and dumb in every other aspect of life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, it seemed like Lisa would get away with Allison not knowing she did it, so mm-hmm. I was glad that Lisa admits to Allison that she had replaced the diorama and that Allison forgives her. It's a better it's a better heartfelt ending, the kind of stuff uh, you not always get in episodes like yeah, this. And, like uh, and then I just love the ending. Le- Ralph gets a great last line. Smart kids, I beat the smart kids. Oh, hmm. I bet my walkies. Hey, Ralph. Want to come with me and Allison to play anagrams? We take proper names and rearrange the letters to form a description of that person. My cat's breath smells like cat food. <laughs> yeah. At this point, this is my favorite ending in Simpsons history. Mm-hmm. It's really cute. I like how Ralph breaks all of Chief Wiggum's uh, expensive Star Wars toys yeah. into box. So do you think he stole them from his dad or his dad gave them to him? I think he or... just stole them. He just found them somewhere. And he's like, I guess yeah. this is what a diorama is. Well, I don't know. He didn't even know what a diorama was. Yeah. Or he didn't even seem to know he was in a competition. And pe- I, I love the line, I bent my Wookiee, but it is actually in context. He actually mm. did be- bend his Wookiee. So it's not it's not a crazy <laughs> Ralph line. He's just commenting on what happened. Yes, it's yeah. the first it, time I heard... Wookie spoken on a show. I've heard uh, lightsaber. I don't know. It was, like this, I think this was rediscovered like two years later by burgeoning Star Wars nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I love this end. All the ending yeah, is so fast, so good. Allison and Lisa unite in their superiority over Ralph. Yes. Yeah. Like, let's start. Let's stop competing and start making fun of dumber people. <laughs> and as Mike Scully would mock on the commentary, like. Only if we're the best. And Allison was never seen again. She yeah. would never be Lisa's friend. I mean, like, you see her in the show, but she, she never she is talks. She's in the character packs, yeah. but she is not a friend of Lisa's. No. Like, yeah, she'll she'll be in the bands when you see the band. And she'll shots be in the cafeteria sometimes, sometimes mm-hmm. too. Kind of like how Mindy, you'll see her every now and again yeah. too. But it's just she was a one-off character, and this is a really fun episode. It's nobody's favorite Simpsons, but I this is a really quality one and a really good first outing for Mike Scully. A lot of great, a lot of great lines. Uh, yeah, in- it's the thing I love it, but I don't love almost anything about 
the Lisa story. Mm. Like it's everybody else. I'm the other way. I can go without the sugar part. As much as I love the David Silverman uh, rant, uh, Mm. animated rant, I feel that I wish Homer was involved more in Lisa's story Mm. and they got, you know, Professor Taylor involved or whatever. It could be like a stronger, just one plot. That B plot could be grafted onto any episode. Yeah. And I noticed that um, going back, I was listening to season four of Talking Simpsons just on a whim and I'm like, wow, a lot of season four episodes are just like completely unrelated B plot could be attached to anything and that's what this feels like yeah even in say L- lady bouvier's lover where bart's stuff with the animation cell is pretty independent from grandpa except they do have a scene where bart gets the money from burns because of him dating jacqueline bouvier yeah. in this one there is no crossover lisa's i it hurts my teeth line is completely independent from the lisa of the whole rest of the episode right, right. like so they don't cross over very yeah. much but it's still a real really good episode and uh, hey welcome to the show mike scully yeah we won't uh, pick on you. <laughs> no, no, not like an Ian Maxton Graham. Or... Uh, how I hate him. Please be on our show. <laughs> so, yes, thank you so much for listening. This has been Talking Simpsons. I've been your host, Bob Mack. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. Go to retronauts.com every Monday for a brand new podcast. Occasionally, we'll have bonus podcasts on Friday. If you don't know about Retronauts, it's a classic gaming podcast every week, a new topic. If you've never heard it before, just go to retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. Find a topic you like and download the episode. I guarantee you'll like it. And we also have the Talking Simpsons Patreon, which Henry will tell you all about. So much bonus content happening right now. Oh my goodness. Hey, yes. You can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-A-Y-G, where I will talk about Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons all the time. But the important thing you need to know is that not only do we have every episode from now on a week earlier on that feed ad-free, but also we are having a ton of extras. We just had our Season 5 wrap-up and the Season 5 deleted scene special that is available to uh, in audio form for $5 a month or more and the $10 a month or more get the video version and on top of that we have now launched the Talking Critic limited series I'll call it as well we'll be posting every week from here on out until we run out of critic episodes there are surprisingly few but we'll do 22 or 23 22 well we have done two episodes so there's 21 left and we might do the uh, internet uh, episodes we have to do it I guess for completeness of sake we have to do those flash episodes but I'm not looking forward to that Uh but but that's all on patreon.com slash talking simpsons it what pays for me and Bob to do this full time I spent multiple full work days researching all my upcoming podcasts and I was able to do that because of people like you supporting us through Me Patreon. Too. And yes. I had to listen to all of that Honey song and that was unbearable. <laughs> it took years off my life. For the episode of Talking Critic, I watched I watched Oh Calcutta which oh, is wow. one of the worst... <laughs> crappy things ever like it's pretty bad <laughs> chris you got uh, this plugs? is this is all inspired sort of by the laser time endeavor Hell patreon.com yeah. slash laser time but you can go to lasertimepodcast.com or wherever you get your podcast laser time's a topic-based show a lot like this one infused with uh, multimedia clips and all that stuff you guys have joined us a lot since uh, starting your patreon for shows about theme parks and spider-man's long journey to the big screen oh my goodness the best apes in the cinematic universe which of course always bleeds into the simpsons somehow some way <laughs> Uh, but yes, thank you so much for that. YouTube.com slash laser time. I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with the worst Simpsons episode ever, in my opinion. See you then. Wow. Infotainment.